Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. As we sail into the spring and summer of the American electoral cycle for the 2016 presidential elections, there really is only one question that matters at the moment. And that question is, will Donald Trump be the Republican presidential nominee? Now, if you can count and if you accept democracy, then the answer is, yeah, pretty much. However, if you live in reality, there are just a few institutional barriers towards Donald Trump ascending to combat Hillary Clinton in the upcoming election. So let's figure out what they are, and then I will end with the rousing speech, which if it doesn't motivate you, please check your pulse. So, of course, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump continues to increase his lead in national polls and accumulate more delegates than his opposition. At this point, Trump is the clear choice of conservative voters to be the Republican nominee and presidential candidate candidate to combat Hillary Clinton. It'll either be Donald Trump or the FBI. It's quite exciting to find out which it will be. Now, despite an unprecedented amount of incoming from the mainstream media, endless attacks and slanders, the Republican establishment has attacked Donald Trump Democrats and, of course, the lobbyist-slash-donor class has attacked Donald Trump endlessly through negative advertisements. He continues to be the clear leader, proving the adage that sticks and stones may break your bones, but apparently all the amassed political forces in the universe can only boost your afterburner. President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. It's Concerned Women, I checked that. It's not Concerned Trolls for America. It's Concerned Women for America. Penny Nance said, I'm soul-searching right now. There's still a pathway to defeating him, but it's getting harder to see that. <laughs> that's what I think that's what uh, we saw in Saving Private Ryan. A lot of soul-searching on the beaches of Normandy. That's very, very important that you soul-search during a time of significant conflict. Now, while many of his harshest critics have, have accepted Donald Trump's status as the most likely Republican nominee, efforts persist to stop him somehow, anyhow, anywhere, in any way. So, here's the magic number, 1,237. If Trump gains 1,237 delegates prior to the start of the Republican National Convention on July 18th, he clinches the nomination. Now, you may ask, and well, you may, why is there all of this delegate stuff? Why don't people just vote for candidates directly? Well, You see, the answer to that is long and complicated, but basically boils down to one thing. Bureaucrats need jobs and management doesn't trust the voters. So that's all you really need to know about that. Now, if Trump doesn't reach 1,237 delegates prior to the convention, he could be denied the nomination via what is called a contested convention. Now, despite He's the obvious choice of most Republican voters. He still could be denied the nomination through a series of backroom machinations that are best studied by watching the Godfather movies on acid. So let's look at some of the numbers of what's been going on. So these are the people uh, who um, say, and this is a, um, uh, a survey of Americans as a whole, not just Republicans, but everyone, Will Donald Trump be the Republican presidential nominee? Now, people started off August uh, of uh, 2015 of last year, of course, when he announced, they said, eh, 50-50, you know, 
He's going to be self-funding. He's uh, got 40 years experience with the media. He's very popular, very charismatic, very successful. So we'll start him off at 50%. The numbers kind of wobbled a little bit. Late last year began to widen. They narrowed a little bit in late January. And now it's, uh, well, let's just say it's pretty <laughs> considerable. So now 76% of Americans say that he is um, very likely uh, to become the presidential nominee for the Republican Party, and only 17% say unlikely. Um, Part of this presentation is to help you not take things for granted. Just because people are voting for him doesn't mean he's going to get in. Ah, welcome to the postmodern late Roman stage of what used to be colloquially called a republic. So, now this is a quote from Republican Rules Committee member Henry Barber. Trump doesn't get passed just because he has 100 more delegates than anyone else. If he can't convince a majority of delegates to vote for him, he's not going to be the nominee. That's the process. The process is fair. It's been around for decades, and we shouldn't change it for the head of Trump University. <laughs> All right, so he sounds, he sounds all kinds of mighty fine and objective, doesn't he? So, so you see, it's, you know, don't shoot the messenger. These are the rules. They've been carved in hieroglyphics, laid down. They are the third tablet that Moses brought down and handed by accident to the ancient enemies of freedom known as the current Republican establishment. And so there's, it's written in stone. There's nothing you can do. It's physics, man. Well, let's find out if that's the case, shall we? While establishment Republicans framed the process as simply following the existing rules, the Republican Rules Committee meets, in fact, before every convention and establishes the rules for that year. Yes, that's right. They defend, apparently to very little effect, the 200-plus-year Constitution written in stone. But their rules, you see, uh, must change every single year because uh, anyway the wind blows... So unsurprisingly, the rules that are changed, as we mentioned every year, seem to favor the establishment's preferred candidate. Huh, funny, funny how that works. You know, it's sort of like you get a lottery ticket and it has a number and then you can choose the number after the lottery is drawn to find out if you win and it just kind of happens to match the ticket that you have. Pretty good way to play the lottery. Uh, Of course, that would only be money, not actually the potential free future of freedom in the West. So, Republican Rules Committee member Peter Feeman. I really didn't like what happened in 2012. The Romney folks silenced the grassroots with the rule change. We didn't need to do this, and it alienated the Ron Paul supporters. And for what? It was like taking a fly off someone's forehead with an axe. So what is he referring to? Well, RNC's Rule 40 sets qualifications for a presidential candidate to appear on a convention ballot. Seeking to keep Ron Paul supporters from entering his name into a nomination in 2012, Romney's lawyers raised the threshold from winning a plurality of delegates in five states to a majority of them in eight, you know, just to keep Ron Paul off the ballot because, yay, democracy, Many party officials believed at the time they had elevated the standard from one that was too easy to meet to one that was too difficult. Before the official festivities start in Cleveland, 
the committee would have to rewrite Rule 40 for anyone other than Trump or Cruz to even be considered by delegates. So be looking for that rewrite of the rule to keep Ron Paul out, to keep Kasich and other people in. And, but you know, hey, they're just the rules. They've been around forever. What can I do? Well, you, you can change them like you do every time. Eric Erickson said, We encourage all former Republican candidates not currently supporting Trump to unite against him and encourage all candidates to hold their delegates on the first ballot. There's got to be some way for the Republican Party to save itself. The final fallback option would certainly be a third party, though the consensus was everyone would rather settle this on the convention floor. I don't know why all these guys come from Burma. I only have three voices anyway. So what is he talking about? He's saying, well, um, the Republican Party, you see, has to save itself from a candidate that is liked by the majority of Republicans. (laughs) You know, we've got to, they're like children with blow torches. You just have to gently take them out of their hands. They're, They're muggles. They know not what they do. We must save them from themselves by denying their Democratic vote. So basically, they're saying that if Trump get this guy saying that if Trump gets ahead, they're going to uh, consider putting in a third party candidate. Uh, there's been talk of Rick Perry. I don't know. Why not just flip a coin and go with Rick Springfield? And uh, they're going to run a third party candidate against Trump, uh, which, of course, would not um, necessarily defeat Trump and very unlikely to. But what it would do is give enough votes to the Democrats to keep uh, Hillary, or to get Hillary uh, into power, to keep the uh, Democratic uh, control of the presidency, which is actually quite good for the Republican establishment, as we'll talk about in a second. So, you know, it's, I got to tell you, it's, after seeing a lot of really spineless, cock-enabled jellyfish non-fighting against the powers that be among the Republican Party after seven years of Obama, it's really, really fantastic to see the Republican Party finally coalesce around a common enemy and work so hard to take down the policies of that enemy. To be fair, a lot of Republican voters, a lot of Republicans, was hoping that the enemy that the Republican Party finally roused itself to fight might be, say, Obamacare or um, sanctuary cities or executive amnesty. The fact that the Republican Party Party has finally roused itself to fight against the candidate that Republicans like the most. <sighs> what does betrayal taste like? I imagine it's a combination of Kiev chicken, uh, battery acid, and 9-volt electrodes up the nose. I'm just guessing. Conservative columnist Quinn Hillier. He shouldn't be president of the United States. Not only is he not conservative, he's also just not a good face for the country. The consensus was that we need a unity ticket of some sort and we'll let the candidates work out who the unity ticket is. Obviously, more conservatives seem to prefer Cruz to Kasich and Cruz has more delegates right now. So you, if you do the math, it's probably more likely to be Cruz Kasich. We did not come to any, even even come close to settling on some third party candidate. That would be down the line. Ah, <laughs> uh, He's not conservative, you see. Now, Kasich, who wants to offer amnesty in the first hundred days, apparently he's a complete conservative. But Trump, who's been uh, strong in immigration, uh, at least according to the Republican base, for many, many years, <laughs> not a real conservative. Ah, the no true Scotsman fallacy. You disagree with me, therefore you must uh, be the opposite of everything ideological that I stand by. Lord. 
Republican delegate Curly Howland says, quote, The media has created the perception that the voters choose the nomination. That's the conflict here. The rules haven't kept up. The rules are still designed to have a political party choose its nominee at a convention. That's just the way it is. I can't help it. Don't hate me because I love the rules. Democracy is pretty popular, but it's simply not the way we do it. (laughs) That's really, really, really something. Um, You know what you don't hear a lot of coming from the Republican establishment at the moment? You hear a lot of talk about democracy and how basically they want to stick a fork in it, rub some marinade on it, and turn it on a spit until the crows eat it. You don't hear a lot of the word republic. See, republic and Republican, Republican, <laughs> support the Republic. And what's that old great quote from Stalin? You know, this guy's saying, well, you know, you can vote wherever you want. We're going to choose who we want anyway. If you don't vote our way, we'll just throw out your votes and choose our guy ourselves. It's a great old quote from Stalin, which goes something like this. It really doesn't matter who votes. What matters is who counts the votes. And, by the by... <laughs> This is what these people are saying in public. In public. Can you imagine what kind of smoking the charcoal flesh of the unborn deals are being done in the back rooms? If this is what they're saying in public, can you imagine how many voodoo dolls with orange hair have been ordered from Haiti? Pepperdine University law professor Derek Muller, quote, It is increasingly likely that we will reach precisely the kind of scenario that the founders worried about. Divisive political discourse threatens to thrust a dangerous candidate into office who appears inclined to govern more like a monarch than a president. Opportunities remain for cooler heads to prevail in our presidential election. State legislators should consider whether to retake the authority to choose electors in the 2016 election in an effort to stop Trump. Ah, This is one of these arguments that is so insane that it takes... A highly overeducated idiot to make it. I mean, so their complaint, you see, these people who say, let us reject the votes of the people and appoint our own candidate are complaining that Trump might govern like a monarch. Hello? Projection much? I'm not going to continue because that way, madness lies. You can only chase irrationality so far before it turns and eats your brain. All right. Republican delegate... Gary Emineth, which I think is a rapper with a lisp, I'm not sure. So uh, he said, It could introduce Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, or it could be the other candidates that have already been in the race and are now out of the race, such as Mike Huckabee or Rick Santorum. All those people could eventually become candidates on the floor. You have groups of people who are going to try and take over the rules committee. That could totally change everything and mess things up with the delegates. And people across the country will be very frustrated. No idea why he sounds like the Dowager Countess, but anyway. Former Speaker John, still want to call him Boner. Apparently it's Boehner. John Boehner, quote, If we don't have a nominee, and then he cried, if we don't have a nominee who can win on the first ballot, I'm for none of the above. They all had a chance to win. None of them won. So I'm for none of the above. I'm for Paul Ryan to be our nominee. Hard to imagine why Republicans loathed this guy so, so much. Republican, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Um, 
Actually, this quote, he broke off one of his 19-hour marathons because apparently he's under the impression that uh, the uh, Republicans in America want abs, not resistance to the Democrats. So he said, um, I've been really clear about this. If you want to be president, you should run for president. We should select our nominee from among the people who are running for president, clear and simple. So no, I am not going to be the president. I am not going to be the nominee. I am not going to become the president through Cleveland. (sighs) When Ryan was asked about his earlier claim that he didn't want to be Speaker of the House, which he now is, only to change his mind, he said, it was a different situation. I'm already in Congress. That's a totally different situation. (laughs) It's, It's like, I don't know if you've seen this interview where Bernie Sanders is blaming Donald Trump for, you know, any violence or or disruptions at Donald Trump rallies. And then someone says, well, wasn't it your supporters who shut down the Donald Trump rally in Chicago? And he's like, well, millions of people vote for me. And, you know, if if I was responsible for what millions of people do, I'd have a pretty bad life. It's the same actual interview. And it's just like, wow, Mobius strip reality much? So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. What's going on? Now, Donald Trump, when he was asked about not winning the Republican nomination due to a brokered convention, said, quote, I think you'll have riots. I'm representing a tremendous many, many millions of people. So this is his opinion. And yes, uh, it certainly seems possible. And uh, Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan, shocked, shocked and appalled, uh, appalled, uh, uh, fainted uh, on a couch and asked for a mint julep and said, Nobody should say such things, in my opinion, because to even address or hint to violence is unacceptable. We are getting our minds around that an open convention very well could become a reality. Could be violence. I wonder where he was when, uh, well, I don't know, certain sections of society seem to threaten riots quite a lot. <coughs> well, I don't know if he was talking then, but they weren't directly threatening his political viability, so. Remember, people in political power are drug addicts, like people who are already tasting political power, uh, when you go up in the hierarchy, particularly in the political hierarchy, your brain releases dopamine, which is highly addictive. They've done this uh, experiment with monkeys. And monkeys get higher up in the chain, their bodies release more dopamine. It's the incentive mechanism to climb up the faces of other people using your hind velociraptor claws. And so you basically, Donald Trump is threatening to take away the drug of power from a shriveled golem-style drug addicts. And, uh, well, what do drug addicts do? Uh, they lie and they manipulate, so... It's not that shocking. So, what is the delegate count at the moment? This is as of March the 20th, 2016. Trump has 678. Cruz has 423. Rubio has 164. Kasich has 143. Ben Carson, who has, of course, left the race, clocks in at eight. Count them eight. It is a little depressing at times. I know, I know some of them are early votes, but it is a little depressing to see Republicans voting for people who have long left the race. But anyway, um, so there are uh, 1,049 remaining, and uh, of course you need 1,237 to win. So delegates needed to reach nomination as of March 20th. Trump needs 559. Cruz, 814. Rubio, 1,073. He's mostly faded out. Kasich, 1,094. Carson would need, would have needed 1,229. You know, he could do the math, which is why... Uh, Uh, He's not in the uh, race anymore. Now, what happens to the delegates uh, of Rubio and uh, Carson? Well, some of them are attached uh, to to particular ballots. Uh, Others are attached to to more than one 
ballots. So the rules vary by state. And uh, until this year's general convention rules are decided, the exact procedural steps of a broken convention remain unknown. Uh, Like most aspects of government, uh, the entire process is probably an intentionally confusing mess. You know, like, it's like, here's your trade deal. Is it free trade? No, it's 5,000 pages of bureaucratic legalese. Wait, that's the exact opposite of free trade. No, but we're going to call it free trade because I know that wets your whistle. So um, who knows uh, how this is going to go. But without a doubt, the uh, Republican... um, the RNC is most likely to write rules that are going to favor its preferred candidate, um, I assume Cruz and Kasich, rather than Trump. And uh, this is going to be a watershed moment in American politics where people will either get their way by going out to vote or they will realize that voting is just a sham, which is supposed to get you to accept the predations of your rulers. Hey, you voted. There was a process. You got to accept the outcome. You know, it's a great way of keeping people down to have them fantasize that they're participating in the process, and the curtain may well be ripped back from the American political process, on the Republican side at least, this very summer, in fact. So it is a very, very pointed moment in not just the history of America, but in the history of the world as a whole. So Trump needs 53% of the remaining delegates to reach nomination, Cruz needs 78%. Rubio, 102%. Yes, he can count too. Kasich, 104%. Carson would have needed 117%. So um, Kasich is eliminated by that cruel vixen known as mathematics. And why, why, why is he standing around? Is he just to play the boring, slightly stoned uncle who pretends he's the only adult on stage? No, there's absolutely more to it. There's some rumors that Kasich is angling for a VP pick in exchange for his delegates, but uh, he recently claimed, I don't know if it's a bargaining position, but he claimed he's not interested in serving as a vice president under either Trump or Cruz. The, um, I mean, this doesn't even mention the absurdity that John uh, Kasich, of course, who wants amnesty for illegal immigrants in his first 100 days, um, how on earth is he going to work with Cruz and Trump, who uh, at least talk tough about enforcing immigration law, and um, uh, Trump has talked strongly about uh, enforcing the law to the point of deportation, which of course is stronger even than Romney, who was quite strong on immigration. Uh, Romney, um, as a governor, rejected um, tuition subsidies for illegal immigrants and so on, and uh, he only talked about self-deportation, but Donald Trump would follow uh, Dwight Eisenhower in uh, actually Uh, deporting illegal immigrants. So there's some prevailing wisdom. I mean, it's, you know, tea leaf reading or thumbing through the monster manual, almost literally. But uh, Kasich could be holding on in the hopes of getting the nomination through a brokered convention. And that would be significantly stimulating for the general electorate uh, on the Republican side. So I'm sorry, you know, I you can read this, but, you know, we do uh, as much on the podcast as we do on the videos. So American Samoa still has nine delegates to offer. Arizona, 58. Utah, 40. North Dakota, 28. Wisconsin, 42. New York, where, of course, uh, Trump is leading wildly, 95. Connecticut, 28. Delaware, 16. Maryland, 38. Pennsylvania, 71. Rhode Island, 19. And um, American Samoa, Arizona, and Utah are... Um, going to vote on March 
20 seconds. So if you're interested in influencing the outcome, stop watching this and go get registered and do what you need to do. If you feel it's important, April 1st, <laughs> North Dakota, April 5th, Wisconsin, April 19th, New York, April 26th, there is Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. So yeah, a couple of votes swinging in the air on April 26th. So uh, to close it off, Indiana still has 57 up for grabs. Nebraska, 36. West Virginia, 34. Oregon. Oregon? Oregon. Oregon. I don't know. I'm going to be corrected either way. Oregon has 28. Washington, 44. California, 172. And we'll find out how popular Trump is with Hispanics that day. Montana, 27. New Jersey, 51. New Mexico, 24. And South Dakota, 29. Indiana's up on May 3rd. Nebraska, West Virginia, May 10th, Oregon, Oregon, May 17th, Washington, May 24th, and um, June 7th, California, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota are all up for grabs. So I'm going to get out of the box and go full screen for you, my friends. So look, this is a very instructive moment in the history of the world. Democracy is it a sham or is it something remotely real? In other words, if you, the voters, I'm talking to you, Republicans, and the 20% of Democrats who are leaning towards Donald Trump, if you don't vote the way that your masters want you to vote, are your votes even going to count? The horse trading that is going to go on with the delegates uh, in a brokered convention is nothing short of obscene. Obscene what can go on. Um, you can offer budgets, so you can offer uh, you can offer special appointments. You, oh, hey, would you like to be on the Postal Recalibration Committee? Hey, just give me. You, there's nothing, it seems, that uh, any corruption laws can bar. It's not even clear where being offered direct money for your vote could even be problematic. So it is definitely a carnival barker horse trade at the end. And the degree to which... Republicans do not trust the Republican Party can scarcely be overstated. You understand, Trump is not the preferred candidate. Trump is, in general, can be characterized as a murder weapon against the Republican Party as it stands. They do not trust the Republicans to fulfill smaller government, limited uh, immigration, free market reforms, lowering of taxation, and so on, or at least an even lowering of taxation. A lot of people really disliked George W. Bush's tax cuts because what they did was they took a whole bunch of people off the tax rolls so that now those people can vote for more and more government without watching their tax taxes increase. So it didn't really do any good when it came to limiting government. Let's go back a little bit. March 2010. McConnell, then House Speaker John Boehner, they wrote a wee little op-ed about Obamacare, stating, and I quote, Taxpayers can expect Republicans to stand up for them and do whatever is necessary to prevent Democrats from forcing such an unpopular, unaffordable bill through Congress. See, they were going to fight Obamacare tooth and nail because, you know, 80% of Americans were pretty happy with their existing health care arrangements and they kind of enjoyed having deductibles not so high that basically unless you're beheaded, you can't take advantage of your uh, insurance. Now, once the bill was passed and Republicans gained power, once Obamacare was passed, both Boehner and McConnell fully funded Obamacare. And they could have held the purse strings and cut them off. And that is not good at all. 
October 2014. Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus told Breitbart News, quote, we will do everything we can to make sure executive amnesty doesn't happen. Defunding, going to court, injunction, you name it. It's wrong, it's illegal, and for so many reasons, and just the basic fabric of the country, we can't allow it to happen, and we won't let it happen. And um, pretty much at the same time, Republican Paul Ryan said, because we don't have the Senate, we don't have the power of the purse. We'd like to exercise that more effectively, and if we can get the Senate, we can do that. That, of course, did not happen. The Republicans instead fully funded Obama's executive amnesty. And there is, you know, where are the Republicans when you, you, Congress hasn't passed a budget in, what, like eight years? Because they get to spend an extra trillion dollars every year if they don't pass a budget. Hey, you want to be paid a trillion dollars a year for not doing paperwork? All right, <laughs> you're set to go. I mean, the amount of betrayal that has gone on, and for a long, 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 long time, the Republicans in particular, and some Democrats, have said that illegal immigration, uh, massive additions of illegal immigrants to taxpayer roles, uh, clogging up and uh, diverting resources in the public school system, and uh, clogging up the emergency uh, rooms and clogging up. I mean, one of the re- main reasons we need Obamacare in America or America needs Obamacare is because illegal immigrants are consuming healthcare resources at a pretty alarming rate, uh, a language uh, dilution. And, uh, and of course, the vast majority of, of uh, illegal immigrants vote for Democrats. Democrats uh, in the 1965 basically gave up on trying to convince Americans of the values of socialism and instead just started importing a whole bunch of third world proto-socialists who were going to vote for them forever. And that does not seem a particularly fair way of having a debate about the future of a country. So there is a Republican Party machine, a big, huge layer funded with untold amounts of money and probably unguessable amounts of money. There's a Republican Party machine, and that party machine stays in power if Hillary Clinton wins, but it does not really stay in power if Trump wins. So they're fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their paychecks. They're fighting for their careers. And their true enemy is the person who ends their power. I mean, if these guys have been promising benefits to Republicans for decades, Trump gets in by completely ignoring them and bypassing them, and he actually does provide these benefits, at least to some degree, they're never going to get hired again. Never going to get hired again. Of course, there's a whole donor class, you know, the Republican donor class loves third world immigrants coming into America because it drives down wages. They love the H-1B visa program because they get cheap pseudo medieval serfs who get tied to jobs and can't negotiate and so the democrats love the um third world immigrants for votes and welfare dependency and all that and the um republican donor class wants all the cheap labor because you know what does it matter about the future of your country if you're going to have to pay a buck 50 an hour more for your maid or your gardener i mean it's not even comparable so there is a republican party machine that views donald trump as the true enemy rather than hillary clinton and that is really, really important. Lots of people are talking about, and even the, the, the Bernie Sanders supporters, the Hillary Clinton supporters, the Black Lives Matters people who are disrupting the Donald Trump rallies, they say, well, we're tired of the influence that big money has on politics. I mean, despite when you look at how much Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are raising, it's ridiculous. And so, of course, they're beholden to big money interest. Trump is mostly self-funding his own campaign. Therefore, he is actually free of the taint of big money. 
And he is actually answering to the people. He's taking his messages directly to the people and he's answering to the people because he does not have donors. It's the same reason why I don't take ads, why I don't have sponsors because I want to get my donations from you. You, yeah, you right there. Go, go donate at freedomainradio.com slash donate. Don't be a free rider. You know the principles. Don't pay. Uh, don't refrain from paying for what other people pay so that you can consume. But I want to answer to the people. I don't want to answer to donors. I don't want to answer to ads. I don't want to have that exposure. So that's the same reason. He is actually answering to the people, not to big money interests. Now, those big money interests like buying politicians because it's really cheaper than having to compete in the free market to just buy preferential legislation from politicians. I mean, statistically, there's almost no better investment in business than buying a politician. It returns far more than risky research and development. So they've got a great business model where they buy the awesome power of the state, screw the people, make a lot of money, and don't have to compete that much. So they don't like Donald Trump either because he's outside their control. He is outside their control. He is not beholden to them. He is answering to the people, and he gains his support from the people. So if you want money out of politics, Donald Trump is the way to go. Uh, Bernie Sanders says, I want to take money out of politics. And it's like, hey, I'm going to give you all this free stuff. It's like, isn't that, bringing, isn't that basically just buying votes by bringing money back into politics? No, <laughs> because I'm old, befuddled, and I haven't had a care cut since the Reagan era. So... The last thing that I wanted to mention, oh, just a little bit of a tangent, but I got to get it off my chest like my last chest hair. You will hear, oh, I guarantee you, you are going to hear over the next couple of months, divisiveness. Donald Trump is so divisive. Look, people are angry. People are upset. And look, anyone on the right, anyone who's a Republican can look at how angry and upset the left is getting over Donald Trump. That's your answer. That's your answer. I mean, <laughs> who should you support? Well, the people who your enemies hate the most. You know, if you've got, if you've got an infection, <laughs> what medicine should you take? Well, you should take the medicine that the bacteria that represent your infection dislikes the most. So... You will hear about divisiveness, like, hey, man, things were pretty peaceful. Things were pretty calm. Things were pretty non-conflicty until that Donald Trump came along. And now, look, there's all this yelling and screaming and people getting arrested, and people interrupting ambulances and people blocking highways. And it's like, oh, I can't take it. There's too much conflict. It's making me overclipped. Uh, so you'll hear a lot about this divisiveness. And funnily enough, <laughs> funnily enough, this divisiveness is going to be laid at the feet of Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's fault that there's conflict. No, it's not. It's not. Look, in Sicily recently, after many generations of paying protection money to the mafia, a bunch of store owners, restaurant owners, and, and boutique owners, and so on, what they've decided to do is to get together and stop paying protection money. Now, this is causing some conflict, to put it mildly, because, you know, the mafia... They like you the protection money. Now, I don't think, I've read some articles about this. I've not read one article at all. One article at all that says, well, you know, things were really peaceful. Things were really kind of even keeled. And there wasn't a lot of this really uncomfortable amygdala stimulating conflict until these jerks of shopkeepers stopped paying their protection money. Now the mafia is out in force and now there's conflict where before there wasn't. Hey, guess what? If you appease people... If you pay them off, there's no conflict. You know, 
While Chamberlain was giving away the farm to Hitler in the 1930s, there was no war. That Churchill, he just created war by starting one. Yeah, if you appease people, there's no conflict. Like if you're a woman and your husband's beating you up and you submit to him and you don't question him and you comply, there's not a lot of conflict other than the beating up part. But if you decide to file for divorce and you move out and you take the kids and you get to safety and your husband gets deranged and starts tracking you down and hiding in the bushes and, uh, I don't know, maybe surprising you outside your condo with a waiter who's bringing your mom's glasses from a restaurant. I don't know. But people are like, wow, you know, there really wasn't a lot of visible conflict in that marriage until she decided to leave him. And now look at all this conflict. Oh, slaves, if all you do is bow to the whip and kiss the feet of your masters and Uncle Tom your way through life, look at that. There's no conflict. Wouldn't that have been great at the founding of America for the founding fathers to not have any kind of revolutionary war to fight taxation? I mean, that just raised a lot of conflict. (laughs) We've become so spineless. So spineless. The conflicts exist. There are the makers and there are the takers in society. And the makers are getting kind of pissed off at having all their money taken by the takers. And I pay taxes. (laughs) And I I mean, I have moral objections to the whole system. But at least if my taxes were actually helping people, okay, I could see that despite moral objections, there at least is some practically positive outcomes. Of course, that would be a split between morality and practicality. But nonetheless... But the makers, whose money is stolen by the politicians to buy votes from the takers, right, 70% of Americans get more out of the government than they pay in taxes. So I dislike having my money stolen to bribe people to vote for policies that further indebt myself and my family and my daughter. Sorry, not cool. So this conflict is there and it's going to escalate and either it's going to be named or it's not going to be named. The doctor who diagnosed you didn't magically create the illness by naming it. So I get it. People are uncomfortable with conflict. I get it. And there are some people who can handle conflict and some people who shrivel up like a fast forward raisin in the sun and just want to cuck themselves into the local rabbit hole and hide until mommy and daddy stop fighting. I get that. And, you know, I don't even particularly condemn it. Some people are willing to handle conflict. Some people are willing to take on the dark forces of negativity and destruction in order to build a cathedral of freedom, light, and prosperity for those who come after us. I get it. I get it. Now, I am fine with conflict. I view it as necessary. I inherited a lot of freedoms from people who fought a lot of bad people in the past. I view it as my duty, my obligation to the degree that I have strength, will, stamina, and skill to pursue the fight. It is my fight to pursue because I believe that I'm going to pay this stuff forward. I'm going to pay this stuff forward. I inherited freedoms. Those freedoms are being threatened. I'm going to enhance, maintain, and expand those freedoms to hand it on to my children. Yeah, and by the way, your children too. Be nice if you joined us out here in the barricades of intellectual challenge uh, and, and the pointing out of hypocrisy and the pointing out of... It'd be great. Be great. Pass the intellectual ammo. Join us up here. Uh, shoot off some arrows. Help us out. Great. But what I don't want, and here's what I really, really hate. I'm not full of a lot of hatred. Got a few little 
dark spots. You know, I'm a sun. There's a few sunspots. People who don't want to name the elephant in the room and get freaked out when someone says, we got to change things for the better. We got to confront. Oh, no, you're making bad people upset. I get it. I get it. You want other people to fight for your freedom. I get it. I'd like it if other people had fought for my freedom so I could go out and play tennis instead. But they didn't. So it's my job now. It's fallen to me and it's fallen to you. Should you have a spine and a love of the future and a love of virtue enough to get the hell off your couch, put down your gaming headset and fight for some kind of goddamn freedom? Now, if you don't want to do it, if you're going to make the choice to run away and hide until stronger and better people than you have fought the good fight and restored the intellectual cathedrals necessary for our freedom to shine through to where we are, if you want to run away, if you want to hide, be my guest. I don't want you up here anyway because all you're going to be is in the way. I'm going to trip on you. You're going to hand me a banana instead of a sword or a sword instead of a banana and I'm either not going to do very well in a fight or I'm going to stab my gums trying to eat a sword. I get it. It's not your realm, ladies. It's not your realm. All I ask is if you are a coward and you want to hide from the fight between the makers and the takers, which hopefully will be resolved in a purely verbal fashion, although I'm not sure how well that's going to go as time goes along, but I remain positive about the intellectual fight. If this is not what you want to do, if you want to run and hide while stronger and better people fight for the freedoms which we, they will regretfully hand to you as a result of wanting it for themselves and their own culture and offspring, I get it. I get it. You want to run, you want to hide. Then go run and hide. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Go play your Warcraft. Go watch your cat videos. Go... Post your photos of what you're eating on Facebook. I get it. That's where you're at. That's where you live, I guess is the word. It's not life to me. It's not living to me. But that's where you want to exist. Fine. Fine. Then stop mewling and complaining about divisive language and conflict. And, you know, this terrible thing happened and I can't believe it. Just shut up. Shut up. Go home. Adults are trying to do good work. And you're only in the way. And by being in the way, you may cause everyone who's better than you to lose. Yeah, that's right, Europe. I'm looking at you, too.